0: Well, good morning, everybody. It is good to be with you today. My name is Nate. If this is your first time here, I really want to hope that you feel welcome and at home. And this is what it means to be the church, is that we gather together, especially this has been a heavy week uh, on my family and on the family of the church. And most times when I say, hey, welcome, I go, welcome, Northside family. And I mean that because this is the beauty of the church, is that we are a family together. And I just want to take a moment before we begin into the sermon, just to say thank you. Uh, You know, we've been talking about this week and uh, the celebration of life service for Kyla Woods, who uh, is actually not just a part of our church family, she's also my cousin. And uh, so this has been a heavy week in our family and several of you guys have texted, you have sent letters, phone calls, all sorts of stuff to our family. And we just wanna say thank you. And thank you for making this such a memorable moment on Friday. We got a few pictures of what this place looked like uh, when, uh, when this happened. After the celebration of life service, we had a party that only Kala could come up with. We just executed on her what it was her plan, was to have a homecoming party when she would to come home from the hospital. We just didn't know it would be to celebrate the end of her life and the beginning of the life of Jesus. But we had all sorts of party out in the lobby. We had a slime shop for people. Parents were sorry. Uh, You know, we had a tutu shop where people could go get tutus. We had unicorn cakes. We had a balloonicorn here on stage. We even had a place for people to write praises to God for the life and the gift of Kala. And we even had Sam Thomas in a tutu. And uh, it was a beautiful day to celebrate. And that is really what the church looks like. That in the moments of hardship, we come around one another and we love one another. And a matter of fact, the stories and the ripples are going out. We're now almost 40,000 people have viewed the live stream uh, of Kala's life celebration service. And in the midst of this, I just want to encourage you to lean into the hardship, to lean into the hard moments, to lean into the questions of why. Because God wants to meet you right there, And to do a good work in your life. And uh, I know we're gonna continue today in this road trip series, and sometimes we go on different road trips in life, and sometimes it is in the valley that you find yourself. And I'm going, This is gonna be good. We're gonna get back together as a church. We're gonna continue in the series. And I opened up to what our section is, and it's the second half of the Ten Commandments. I'm like, Well, surely that will be good and, and encouraging. And the first scripture is this don't murder. Real uplifting, you know, and then it goes in, don't commit adultery, and don't steal, and don't give false testimony, and don't covet. All right, good, good, this is going to be good, and here's what I want to do today. It is too often times when I've approached the Ten Commandments this way, I don't know if you've approached this Ten Commandments this way, but God literally in this series has deconstructed my view of the Ten Commandments, He hasn't done away with it, but as I've been been able to prepare and to dive into God's word, he's saying, Nate, you've really looked at the Ten Commandments all wrong. Because oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I've looked at the Ten Commandments as just kind of a checkbox list. You know, don't murder. Dude, I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. Call the police, right? I got a clean record, right? Haven't killed anybody. Don't commit adultery. Hey, haven't committed adultery. I'm two for two. I'm... I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good pastor. Then gets in. Don't steal. Again, never stolen anything, right? Really, or at least that I have a record on that you know about, right? I've never, never stolen. Don't have a record. Don't give false testimony. Never been in a court. I'm four for four. Don't covet. You can't prove it. So, hey, I haven't coveted. <laughs> I haven't coveted. I'm a good pastor. Here's the problem. When we look at the Ten Commandments, we look at it like that, and that's why a lot of times the power has taken, been taken out of the Ten Commandments because we think it's just a list that you better not or else. When actually the Ten Commandments were never about you better not. Actually, the Ten Commandments was all about how God isn't just wanting you to not fail. It's how God wanted his people Israel and how he wants us as his church today to flourish in the life that God has for you. Just really think for a second. Do you believe that God's whole goal for you in life is to not fail? Or his goal and calling in your life is to flourish? Those are two different things, aren't they? See, a lot of times when we live our life, I just don't don't want to fail. I just don't want to mess up. I don't want to do that. Well, when you live your life not to fail, you actually don't accomplish anything. But when you live your life going, God, you have called me to be a flourishing person of you, that in you I am a new creation. That's why our baptism shirts say that, because 2 Corinthians 5 says that when you place your faith in him, he makes us a new creation. That the old is gone and the new is here. And our life in Christ isn't just about avoiding failure. It is about flourishing in the ways of God. Matter of fact, you saw the rich young ruler get this wrong when he came up to Jesus and he asked Jesus this question. He says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you need to keep the first five commandments. He goes, done it. Done it my whole life. He goes, "Whoa, you're good. Oh, you're real good. He goes, well, what else? He goes, well. You need to keep the second five, ten commandments. He goes, I've done that since I was a little boy, Jesus. I'm really good. And Jesus says, good for you. And then this is what he says. He goes, well, if you want to inherit eternal life, go sell all of your possessions and what? Come follow me. And if you look in the passage, it says this, that the man walked away sad because he had great wealth. He didn't understand that the Ten Commandments weren't just a list for us to avoid failure. It was the way for you and I to flourish in the way of God. And what Jesus was telling that man that day was this, I know you've kind of checked those boxes. That's not what it's about. It is about your heart aligning with God in your life, flourishing with your creator Here's the big mistake. You might want to write this down. Here's the big mistake that we make when it comes to the Ten Commandments is this. We always start thinking that it is external when actually it is internal. That if you want to live the ways of God, it doesn't start with your performance. It always starts internally. This is why God has given us His Word. I encourage you: if you don't have a Bible, pick one up out at the resource center. Dive in, download the U Version Bible app, read it, begin to internally. Because what we find when God gives this is He's going. I'm not just giving you a list so that you avoid failure, and that's all I want. He's going. I this is for your good. Literally on Thursday morning we're getting ready for the family visitation here at church and all this other stuff and at 8 30 in the morning I'm trying to make eggs for everybody in the family and my wife is better about this than I am but my son Carter always wants to get up on the counter as kids always want to do. He always wants to get up there and see what's happening. Well I made some eggs and he climbed up on the counter and I wasn't very disciplined with him and I was just kind of letting him be up there and sure enough he leaned back Thursday morning we're trying to get ready trying to get out of the house I just cooked eggs he leans back and puts his hand on the Stove. isn't it always that's how it happens on the biggest days in your household you're just trying to get out so here we are man we got to pour water on his hand man he got a good blistered the hand and of course he, he went he went for it got every single fingertip all right if possible on the stove now here's the deal when we say hey don't get on the counter we're not trying to be bad parents what we're trying to say is this dude we don't want you to get burnt we want you to flourish, son. It's not that I don't want you to enjoy things of life. I'm just saying when I don't want you to do it, it's for your good. It's for our good. See, here's the problem when we look at the Ten Commandments we think it's always about what we must do. You better. You better. Here's something as God has been deconstructing this in me so I can see his word clearly. And this might be helpful to you, but here's a phrase that is helping me remember God's word and put it in its right context. You might want to write this down when it comes to who God is. God is always saying this if we put what before who, we lose if your life of following God is always about what? You better not murder, you better not do this, you better not fail. Whenever we build our life around this idea that it is what before who, that the way that we live is more important than this relationship with Jesus, we lose. Because here's the deal, every single person, like Neil said in this room, are broken people. So when we put the what before the who, before Jesus, we lose, but here's the deal, when we put the who before what, Here's the good news. We're in luck. When we put the who before what, when we say, Jesus, my life is going to belong to you, then out of that comes the overflow. When Jesus rules on the inside of our life, everything will begin to follow. Matter of fact, this is why I want us to look at Exodus 19. We're going we're to unpack a little bit of the, these five commandments because it begins to pour out to other people. But before we do, I just want us to look at the who. Because if we forget the who before the what, we lose. And listen what it says in Exodus 19 verse 4. Because God wanted to let the people know who they are. Before we start talking about what we must do, we need to remember who we are in Christ. And listen what God tells Israel. He tells them this in verse 4. He wants them to know who they are. He says this in verse 4. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. See, when you and I place our faith in Jesus, we do choose to accept him, but it is because he went to the cross ahead of our decision, and he has carried away the sins of the world, and we are simply responding to what he's done. God says the same thing here. He says, see how I carried you out on the eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. And then he says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, meaning I am for you, I have done everything to save you, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Some of you today, you came in here and you have zero self-worth. You, you just go, I'm, I'm just worth, I don't even know why I'm here today. This is why we need to remember who God says we are. Because God looks at you and he says, you are my treasured possession. I carried you out. I've come to bring you out of slavery to sin. I've come to rescue you. And he says this, not only that, he says, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy Nation, And these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites, Moses. These are the words that we are to remember. It's not just will you not murder, will you not commit adultery, will you not steal, will you not give false... No, 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 no. He goes, you need to remember that because I've brought you out, you are now a kingdom of priests and you are a holy nation, Israel. You are mine. And it carries over in First Peter chapter 2. The Apostle Peter quotes this very passage, and he tells the church, because of Jesus carrying us out of sin through the cross, he says, you are now a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What does that mean? Here's what this means of who we are. If you don't know who you are, you need to write this down, because it doesn't matter what you do. You need to know who you are first, and this is who we are in Christ, that we are priests, and we are a people. You're going, whoa, I'm a priest. According to scripture, when you become a follower of Jesus, that's what it says you are. Now, here's the role of a priest a role of the priest in the scriptures. And what God is saying here is this a priest serves people, and a holy nation, a holy nation flourishes together. God is saying this, not just to Israel, but now through Christ. He's saying this to you and I as the church. And this is where God has happened to deconstruct the Ten Commandments for, for me as he's saying this. Nate, it's not just about what you're doing. He goes, do you know who you are in me? And who you are in me is to be a servant. This is why we celebrated the life of Cala because she served people so well. The back half of the Ten Commandments is about how we treat one another. It is about how we flourish as God's people. You know, this is what's so funny. You know, we, we didn't think we were going to get this balloonicorn, uh, you know, that we see over here, which again, man, everybody came in going, This place is a cult. They got balloonicorns over here. You know, what's going on? Now, now here's what's so cool about this story uh, about this. We couldn't get it, and this was Kala's vision. If you've ever seen the Party City commercial where these kids walk out and, and it's all this other stuff, stuff going on, this was her vision, and we tried so hard, we couldn't get anybody to get this done, you know, on short notice. And then there was a group of balloon artists out of Indianapolis that heard the story and on Thursday night drove down here and from midnight till five in the morning they built this thing it was such a neat moment a kingdom of priests all I can do is make some balloon animals do you know that balloon animals can serve and display the glory of God All I can do is cut grass. Call me after service, and I'd love to talk with you. we downplay those gifts, don't we? All I can do is this. Can you serve others with all that you have? See, this is what God is saying. God is saying it's not just about what you do. It's about who you are. And matter of fact, you won't know what to do until you know who you are. You in Christ are a royal priesthood. You are God's treasured possession. You are a holy nation. This is why the church, and I'm asking you and I'm praying for you right now, do not miss what God is doing in the midst of the season of his church. Because we are coming together like never before and God isn't just saying just for this time. He's saying I want this world to flourish and I want the world as broken as it is to see the display of God in and through you. A kingdom, a a priest, and a holy nation. A people who belong to God. See, this is why Jesus actually deconstructs. and doesn't just deconstruct in a negative way. He expands on the Ten Commandments in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. He begins to flush this out for us, and he says stuff like this. See, this is when we place our life in Christ. Everything in the Old Testament is fulfilled in Christ. And he even builds on this right here when we read that and we go, you shall not murder. You go, hey, I'm doing good. And he goes, actually, he dives in deeper. Listen what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 22. Listen what he says. He brings us in deeper into what does it look like to be his people. He says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. He's talking about Exodus chapter 19. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And then listen to what he says. But I tell you, I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. ruh I haven't killed anybody. You angry with anybody? This is what we say. Maybe this is a little bit clearer. You ever said this about anybody right now? Oh, they're dead to me. Ooh. I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Whoa, whoa. This isn't just, have you killed somebody? Are you angry? with anybody again anyone who says to his brother raka which means to hold someone in contempt is answerable to the sanhedrin and but anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell can i be honest with you guys for a moment man god has convicted me big time through this passage instead of going hey i haven't killed anybody i'm really good There's a few people in my life, and isn't it true? It's not a bunch of people, there's just like two or three, maybe four, (laughs) that over years and years and years, we just keep killing them in our heart. Oh, you don't imagine killing them, but you keep belittling them. Condemning them, hoping they get fired, I don't know. But secretly in your heart, there's good as dead to you. Now, here's the deal. Scripture also says this. It's not that we can't be angry because there is injustice in this world that we get angry over. But what it says is this Paul says, In your anger, do not sin. It's okay to be angry. It's what we do with our anger. And Jesus is saying this, I want you to bring your anger to me. What I began to realize is this, I'm much more of a murderer than I ever thought. I haven't killed anybody until Jesus says, what's going on in your heart? Nate, you got a lot of dead bodies there. You're guilty, Nate. See, here is why we need Jesus, because it was Jesus who was murdered by the Romans and the Pharisees so that murderers could be set free. See the difference? Instead of going, I haven't killed anybody, to recognizing, oh, no, we've killed a lot of people in our heart, and Jesus is saying, that's what I went to the cross for so that I could take that anger, I could take that hurt, and you don't have to just keep pill- killing people, and you don't have to carry this guilt, and you don't have to carry this anger. I want to free you from that. And not only that, He right after that, he dives into this adultery idea. And he says this in verse 27. Listen what he says here in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. And then he says again, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his what? Heart. Jesus doesn't just say, "Did you have you committed the actual act of adultery? He, he's going deeper into this. And he says, this is what happens in your heart. Here's what Jesus is saying. This is what we got to understand. Because we're going, whoa, whoa, God, you want to do way more in our lives. You want us to flourish and you want us to be protected. And this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying affairs and adultery actually starts emotionally, not sexually see a lot of times that's how we grade ourselves i've never slept with another person i've never done that well have we lusted after somebody see it, you know this is what's funny sometimes we go you know christianity and the bible it is so irrelevant it has nothing to say today y'all ever heard of this thing called the me too movement a few of us okay you're like do i say yes yeah you can say yes all right The Me Too movement is a deep reflection of what is going on in the souls of people, whether they acknowledge God or not. But everybody in their soul knows this. Taking advantage of women is not right. And belittling and using them for your own good and not their own is not the reflection of God. See how God's ways are timeless? God is saying when we take advantage of each other, and it might not be physically, but when we take advantage of each other emotionally and we manipulate and we do these things and all this other stuff, man, what happens is everything gets sideways and you don't flourish. This is why God told Israelite, it's not just you better not commit adultery. What he's saying is this, I want you to respect and look for the best in one another. I want you to lift one another up. I want you to seek the good in one another. See, that's what it looks like to be a holy nation, that we look at one another, not just what I can get from you, but I'm going, how has God blessed you? How can I encourage you? How can I walk with you? How can I lift you up? Not what can I get from you? Man, how can I support the work of God in your life? And I just got to be, even if the world doesn't think they want it, I just got to let you know the world is desperate for this. The only thing is this, the world doesn't have an answer for it. The world doesn't have an answer for it. This is why Jesus is saying, when you live according to me, the world begins to flourish. And so whether we today are guilty, and here's the deal, all of us are Whether it's happened outside, externally, or whether it's happened internally in our hearts, this is what we need to remember. This is why we got to come back to the heart of God, because it is God's faithfulness that saves us, not our faithfulness. See, if we are broken people in this area, and I'm just saying this overall, the statistics prove it, we are broken as a humanity when it comes to sexuality, When it comes to sexuality, the addiction to pornography, the addiction to everything, the confusion, all these things that are going on in our life, the rates of divorce, all of these things, all of this stuff is broken. And God is saying this because you don't understand that in Christ is the only way you become a treasured possession. It's the only way you become a priesthood of all believers. And it is the only way you become a holy nation of people who reflect me. We don't need to live in fear of committing adultery. What we need to live in is in faith in the one who saves us. And when we live in this faith, it begins to change us internally and it leads externally. This is why it flows right into don't steal and don't give false testimony about one another. See, stealing and false testimony, really, this is what's fascinating about this, and, and Jesus goes after this. Really, why we people steal and why we give false, false testimony about other people is this. We're afraid. You know, the reason why people steal is because we're afraid that deep down, whether we'll say this or not, deep down, we're afraid that God might not provide everything I need. Deep down, that's what we're saying. I don't know if God's going to provide everything or when we give false testimony about other people, means when we gossip, when we slander, when we destroy other people, what we're really saying is this, God, I'm not sure you'll take care of them, so I'm going to take care of them for you. God, I got this one for you. You can sit back in your easy chair. It's Sunday. You've been working hard. God, let me take care of this. I'll destroy their reputation. And God goes, no, 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 that, that's not the way that I have. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 31. He says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Notice that. He says, it, he doesn't say If you're a good person, you're a good disciple. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then he goes on to say this, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, oftentimes we run around more afraid than we do free, and that's not what it looks like to be a royal priesthood in a holy nation. The church ought to be the most free place, the most trusting, this place that says, God, we will follow you wherever you take us. we are on board with you, which leads into the last one that says, do not covet. And I love what it says. It says, don't covet. As a matter of fact, this is what I love how it reads. He says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservants or maidservants, his ox or donkey. And then finally the writer says, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He's like, okay, this is, I'm running, just anything. Don't, don't covet anything, literally. If you go to dictionary.com, this is what the word covet means. It literally just says this, to desire wrongfully without regard for others. See, when we begin to covet what other people have, we actually quit caring about the person. And we just start saying, I just want what you have. I really don't want what's best for you. I began to reflect on this a little bit and ask myself, Nate, where have you been coveting lately? And one of my buddies, he just retired a couple months ago, and he invited me and some other buddies over because he downsized his house and he built a new house. It's smaller now, and all this other stuff. And he said, "Guys, I want to invite you over. I want to show you my retirement present that I bought myself." You know, and he said it's down in the basement. And I'm like, "Well, that's a weird place to put a Corvette." You know, and he just put it in the basement down there. And I'm like, "Wait a minute, what is it?" And we got down there, and he had he had built in the basement a golf simulator. And and uh, you spend a couple thousand dollars down there and, you know, you can literally play some of the real professional courses on there. And we had a great time. And I remember driving, I'm asking myself, I'm like, Nate, where have I been coveting lately? Where am I been coveting? And I remember I was asked that question to myself this week and, and I reflected back, leaving his house. I'm like, man, that was so much fun. And then I started thinking about this. I'm like, you know, I think I work as hard as he does. Why do I need to wait till I retire to get a golf simulator? You know, and we start rationalizing that. And then we start comparing that. And then we start criticizing. I work as hard as him. And here's what happens when we start coveting one another instead of celebrating each other. We quit caring about the work of God in each other. And when I covet the things that you have, I quit looking at you as a royal priesthood and a holy nation quit looking at you as a child of God. I quit looking at you as someone made in the image of God. And all I do is I start comparing and criticizing and telling God, well, they have that. I should get this. And it corrupts our souls. But here's the deeper thing. When we covet, we cease to create. We cease to create. To create. See, when God says that we are made in his image, God is creator. God made you to live and to flourish in his image, in his likeness. See, when we just live as people who consume, and and all we do is critique, and we covet, and we condemn others, and we live in this way, and our heart gets full of this stuff, we lose our way. We forget who we are, and so we begin to judge based on what we can do. Well, I make this, or I do that, and we forget who we are. Jesus says, oh, you've heard it said, but I tell you. And Jesus isn't looking for what you can do. Jesus is looking for you and I to simply look towards him. See, when we put what before who, we lose. But when we put the who, Jesus, before what, we're in luck. My question for you today is this. In light of Jesus, who do you need to become? Not what do you need to do? Who do you need to become? Do you need to realize that you are God's treasured possession in Jesus? Yours' treasured possession. He's not waiting for you to like you, He already likes you, He already loves you. You need to begin to embrace your calling into the kingdom of the priesthood. That said, God is saying, I have blessed you to be a blessing. Or do you need to go, hey, you know what? Maybe this whole church thing isn't just about me and Jesus. Maybe it's about us and being a people of God. Let's be a church in this season who puts the who before the what. Let me pray for us. Father. I thank you that your word is alive and active. Your word is transforming us. Your word wants to go down deep into our bones and change the very core of who we are and how we think and how we live. And so Jesus, today, may we get our priorities right. May our life be about you and who you are before it's about what we do. Jesus, thank you for seeing us, for coming after us and saving us. May we follow you wholeheartedly today. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next weekend.